podcast of This American Life is brought to you by Ford, makers of the new Ford Fiesta. With an EPA-estimated 40 miles per gallon highway, no other car in its class is more fuel efficient. The 2011 Ford Fiesta. Ford invites you to drive one at a dealer near you. When we were weak, we told ourselves we were strong. And sometimes, if we were very weak, we told ourselves we were very, very strong. Unquestionably, I was by far the most loathed member of my class, I think, you know. Being a um, pasty, unathletic kid who was weird-looking and probably seemed overly eager, so, you know. And I had friends that would come over on the weekends, you know, for to play, but then at school they would ignore me and pretend like they didn't know me. And so, when he was little, Chris Ware spent a lot of time thinking about superpowers, he drew superheroes over and over, trying to get them right. He always wondered where somebody could find a radioactive animal, like the one who bit Peter Parker and turned him into the amazing Spider-Man. Once or twice, he thought he might be developing his own real superpowers. There was one morning where I was standing under the, under the shower, and of course when you get in immediately because you're so cold, the water is extremely hot by contrast, you know. So you have the, the cold water turned up, and as you stand in there, you get used to it, and you turn the cold water down, you know. And I was in there for a very long time, and I remember turning the cold, and it wouldn't go any farther. And I thought, well, that's weird. It must be stuck. And I turned it more, and it wouldn't go any farther. And I, uh, I realized I was standing under completely hot water, but I, I was, it felt fine to me. It actually felt warm, almost cool. And the longer I stood there, it felt cooler and cooler. And I, the only explanation I could come up with is that I had developed the, the ability to withstand extraordinary heat. And of course, we'd just run out of hot water. But at that time, I didn't know that that happened. I thought hot water was, a, was an endless commodity. His first crush was Batgirl. Even now, he says, if he just sees the colors of Batgirl's costume, just the colors, no image at all, just the colors, his heart still skips a beat. He invented his own superhero called the Hurricane, who could shoot blasts of wind from his hands and was drawn with huge manly muscles. He made a Hurricane costume to wear, red t-shirt with a black circle with an H on it, a mask that his mom made for him, a yellow cape. There were a few times where I actually came to school with bits of a superhero costume secreted under my school uniform. I guess I don't exactly know why. I guess I thought it was like it was, it was going to give me some sense of power or something. But of course, then I have gym class, you know, so you have to change your clothes. So I don't know what I was thinking. There was one time I actually, this is, an, this is sort of peripherally superhero, but I'd actually drawn circuit boards on pieces of paper, like the Bionic Man, the Six Million Dollar Man, and I'd actually, I'd actually taped them on my legs to look like, like real circuitry exposed, as if I had, you know, mechanical legs or something like that. So I guess I vaguely thought that somebody would catch a glimpse of it and think, wow, look, he's bionic. Some of us, we spend a long, long time hoping that we're more than what the world thinks of us. And so, of course, we're drawn to these stories of these mild-mannered guys who, under their clothes, 
wear a costume in secret with powers nobody suspects. And when we get older, it all seems well, it all seems ridiculous. It all seems really, really dumb. Chris Ware went on to draw cartoons for his living. But these cartoons that he draws now are like novels about real people. And when a Superman type shows up in one of these cartoons, it's always somebody trying to con kids with a costume and a cape. He is always a disappointment. It's just more interesting that way. I think he's more like a real dad that way, I guess. And the more I draw him, the fatter he gets, too, and the more bald he gets, I guess. So, I mean, if you were Superman, too, you're like, you know, what do you care what you look like? You wouldn't be all handsome and you just you know you'd eat whatever you felt like you'd take whatever you wanted and you'd, you'd end up looking really terrible after a while i think so if i was a superhero i think i would probably i mean who's gonna who's gonna criticize you well today on our radio program superpowers four real life stories about how easy it is to be caught up in the dream of them act one the invisible man versus hawkman the story of one man, two superpowers, and one big question. A question, my friend, that we all can face equally. Act two, Wonder Woman. The story of a kid who decided to take steps to become a superhero. Systematic, thorough steps that took her years, well into adulthood. Act three, the green team of superhero boy millionaires. Beppo, the amazing super monkey from Planet Krypton, and the man from Shram. In this act an inquiry into superheroes, and there are many each year that just never caught on. Act 4, The Wonder Twins. The story of two 12-year-old boys in Burma, guerrilla fighters who had entire armies believing that they could stop bullets and summon the dead, and why so many people believe them. From WBEZ Chicago and Public Radio International, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. As the supervillains say, silence, miscreant. Our program has begun. One, Invisible Man versus Hawkman. Well, we now present a kind of super contest for you, beloved super listener, between two ancient superpowers, two of the superpowers which have fascinated humans since antiquity. And actually, this is kind of a super Rorschach test. John Hodgman has been conducting an unscientific survey, posing for people a very simple choice. Flight versus invisibility. This question is only for you. Whichever you pick, you'll be the only person in the world to have that particular superpower. You can't have both. Which do you choose? I started wondering about this a few years ago. I'd bring it up at parties, dinners, wedding receptions. It was more interesting to ask them where people worked or where they went to school, and clearly more fun to answer. Like a magic word, Shazam, flight versus invisibility would instantly change an evening's character, opening passionate conversation and debate. But what surprised me more was how quickly everyone would choose, as though they had been thinking about it for a long time. Everyone knew exactly which superpower they wanted and what they would do with it. Their plans weren't always flashy or heroic. In fact, they almost never were. If I could fly, the first thing I would do is fly into, fly into the bar, check out what's going on there, fly back home. I would attach my baby to me and fly to a doctor's appointment at 11.30 fly right back, then I think I would fly to Atlantic City. I, 
I would imagine, like, if, if it got around that I had the power of flight, um, and it was a rare type of thing, I mean, there would definitely be flight groupies. I would imagine. So there's going to be just like, oh, yeah, I just slept with a flying dude. You know? People are just like, oh, score. I go into Barney's. I pick out the cashmere sweaters that I like. I go into the dressing room. The woman says, how many items? I say five. I go into the dressing room. I put those five sweaters on, and I summon my powers of invisibility into the dressing room. I turn invisible. I walk out, leaving her to wonder why there's a tag hanging from the door that says five and no person inside. So you would become a thief pretty quickly? Immediately. Until I had all the sweaters that I wanted, and then I would have to think of other things to do. Typically, this is how it goes. People who turn invisible will sneak into the movies or onto airplanes. People who fly stop taking the bus. Here's one thing that pretty much no one ever says. I would use my power to fight crime. No one seems to care about crime. I don't think I would want to spend a lot of time using my power for good. I mean, if I don't have super strength and I'm not uh, invulnerable, then, I mean, it would be very dangerous. If you had to rescue somebody from a burning building or something like that, you might, you know, catch on fire. Just having flight, I don't think it's necessarily quite enough. Because you don't have the super strength. I, I'd still be weak when I got there, I guess. Um, I don't fight crime now, and, and people without superpowers do, so... Sure, in theory, yes, but, you know, I'm not a... I mean, what can I do with this? I mean, either one of those, you see, you need a whole package. There's not much you can do with any one thing. I'd go to Paris, I suppose. That's not being a superhero. Well, they may, you know, I could be uh, going to Paris, man. That's sort of a superhero. Going to Paris, man, is not a superhero. And I have to say, this drove me crazy a little bit. We are, after all, talking about superpowers. Why not take down organized crime? Bring hope to the hopeless. Swear vengeance on the underworld, if only a little bit. I proposed a variety of sample scenarios along these lines, such as how would you handle a mad genius taking over the Empire State Building, or a group of terrorists hijacking an overseas flight. And what I learned is some people should simply not be fighting crime. <clears throat> well, the first thing that occurs to me is... Um they go sneak up behind them very low and um, with a knife that they didn't see and slice their Achilles tendon. Oh, no. I somehow shove a sock in their mouth or something like that so they can't, and rub, wrap some tape around their mouth so that they can't uh, yell out. It might not be a sock. It might just be some napkins or something. <laughs> I, I can't keep all this in my head. I have to, I'd have to keep a bag full of stuff with me. Knives. <laughs> Socks. Tape. Do you think you would uh, be uh, tempted to enlist a uh, teenage helper? Um, no, I, I think a helper would be good. A helper with a complementary power. There's no other anybody else with superpowers. 
Oh, it would just be a teenager hanging around me? No. People who consider invisibility always want to know, do I have to be naked? People who choose flight want to know, how fast? Almost all asked, who had been in a fight? Mr. Invisible or Flying Man? And so I had to lay down some rules. Invisibility means the power to become transparent at will, including your clothing. But anything you may pick up is visible. Flight means the power to fly at any altitude within the Earth's atmosphere at speeds up to 1,000 miles per hour. But even then they start looking for loopholes, hidden catches, superpower fine print. They start negotiating their dreams with me. Now, when you're flying, if you're flying at 1,000 miles an hour at uh, 100,000 feet, are you, are you comfortable? Do you get very cold? Let's say I'm in this room and I'm invisible and I'm walking around this apartment and I'm invisible. And yes, do I have to be completely quiet where you guys will like hear my footsteps? Because that's a pain in the ass. And also someone had to let you in. Can I carry somebody, can somebody go on my, on my, on my back? Can you carry someone on your back now? Uh, little people, little people, yeah. Then you can carry little people on your back. Done. Flight it is. This is all part of what I call the five stages of choosing your superpower. Sometimes this process occurs in just moments. For example, subject A, a tallish man with glasses wedged into a cramped barroom corner, begins as they all do, with stage one, gut reaction. Initially, I would think uh, perhaps invisibility. Next comes stage two, practical consideration. Because you have the ability to uh, walk around work, perhaps show up at one point, and perhaps like go away for a little while and turn invisible and then come back and listen to what they say about you. You have the power to spy on your exes. And that would all be enlightening and, and fun and, 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 in fact, a little bit perverted. And um, You hear that doubt in his voice? That's the beginning of stage three, philosophical reconsideration. That would, I, I believe it would, be, it, would, it would immediately turn into a life of complete depression. You, would, you wouldn't be able to really share it with anyone, because, you, you know... Um, and I know there'd be some like problems with like the uh, the perversion thing. Stage four, self-recrimination. Invisibility leads you um, leads me as an invisible person down a dark path because you're not going to want to miss out when you're invisible on you know no matter how many times you've seen a woman naked in the shower you're going to want to see it again because there's always a different woman right and there's like a lifetime of that and that's that's not acceptable behavior no matter whether you're invisible or not and finally stage five acceptance yeah i'd have to go with flight so who chooses invisibility and who chooses flight in my experience though there are lots of exceptions Men lean toward flying, women to invisibility. 
and many brood anxiously over their choice, switching from one to the other and back again. And that's because, more than the ability, say, to burst into flame or shoot arrows with uncanny accuracy, flight and invisibility touch a nerve. Actually, they touch two different nerves, speak to very different primal desires and unconscious fears. My friend Christine shows invisibility. One superpower is about something that's obvious, and the other is about something that is hidden. I think it indicates your level of shame. How do you mean? A person who chooses to fly has nothing to hide. A person who chooses to be invisible wants clearly to hide themselves. Do you feel that you want to hide yourself? I want to... Uh, I'd like to not... I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> It all has to do with guile. Uh, wanting to be invisible means that you're a more guileful person. If you want to fly, it means you're guileless. And I think the reason that I'm so conflicted about flying versus invisibility is that I have guile, but I really wish that I didn't. Flight is the hero, selfless and confident and unashamed, and invisibility the villain. Almost everyone I talked to called invisibility the sneakier power. Flying is for people who want to let it all hang out. Invisibility is for fearful, crouching masturbators. First of all, I think that a lot of people are going to tell you that they would choose flight, and I think they're lying to you. I think they're saying that because they're trying to sound all mythic and heroic because the better angels of our nature would tell us that the real thing that we should strive for is flight and that that's noble and all that kind of stuff. But I think actually, if everybody were being perfectly honest with you, they would tell you the truth, which is that they all want to be invisible so that they can shoplift, get into movies for free, go to exotic places on airplanes without paying for airline tickets, and watch celebrities have sex. Anyone faced with this choice in their heart of hearts will choose invisibility. Yes. Or they have this sort of inflated, heroic, mythical concept of themselves and uh, that, in fact, they're not really giving it very much practical thought. In the end, it's not a question of what kind of person flies and what kind of person fades. We all do both. Perhaps that's why, when I put the choice to myself, I'm hopelessly, completely stuck. At the heart of this decision, the question I really don't want to face is this. Who do you want to be? The person you hope to be? Or the person you fear you actually are? Don't rush into it. Think it over. Which would you choose? John Hodgman. He's the author of the books The Areas of My Expertise and its sequel, More Information Than You Require. 